Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Raising kids is a big responsibility. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben, and I'm joined again by Pastor Greg Finke. He's written this book called Joining Jesus as a Family. And you'll remember Pastor Greg and his voice. He's been on with us before. You wrote a book called Joining Jesus on His Mission, right? Which was great. Correct. We had an opportunity to talk to you, so thanks for coming back. Um, Pastor Greg um, is really called to support other pastors and go into congregations and and have these same conversations that we're about to have today. You can learn more about them at dwelling114.org. So today's book, Joining Jesus as a Family, How to Raise Your Kids to Be Followers of Jesus. And as a four-year-old, or as a dad of a four-year-old, that is like my biggest prayer, right, to pass on our faith to the next generation. We've had a bunch of conversations over the last couple of weeks uh, on Afternoons with Bill Arnold about the dire straits that it sounds like the next generation is in. And so how do we pass on our faith? So first of all, welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Pastor. We're, we're grateful to have you here. This book um, looks like you wrote it with your wife, mm-hmm. um, and you have children. We do. So you know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. You've been through it, right? You mentioned something that stopped me in my tracks before we even started the program today, something about our blind spots mm-hmm. as parents. Can you repeat that again so I can catch my breath for just a second and then ask you about the follow-up question. Yeah, well, basically, uh, especially in the U.S., uh, we have this uh, idea that we want uh, to do the absolute best job we can as parents right. for our kids. So if I want my kid to understand how to be a really good soccer player, volleyball player, baseball player, I, I put them on a team, and hopefully they get a good coach to do that. If I want them to be very good at at music or or in some uh, uh, language, we, we send them off to get those lessons. And so it only makes sense to us that if I want them to be a really good follower of Jesus, I better delegate that to people that can do a better job than me. And the trouble is, unlike those other skills that uh, other people can uh, teach our kids, uh, the way that discipleship works, the way that raising children to be followers of Jesus works, God wired our children not to uh, uh, imitate uh, uh their pastor, not to imitate their youth group leader, their children's ministry person. He designed them and wired them to observe and absorb us, Mm. their parents. And so whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, uh, our children are already being deeply formed in what it looks like and is like to follow Jesus by watching us as we live out our faith. And while that may strike some as, uh, you know, terrifying, the reality is our kids don't need us to be biblical scholars or saintly uh, rule keepers. What they need us to simply be is to actually know, love, trust, and follow Jesus. Mm. And if God expected that to be done by perfect people, then that was a perfectly awful plan because uh, there are <laughs> no p- perfect people. They're just forgiven people, right. right? So learning how to follow Jesus is not so much what we tell our children, although we want to tell our children the truth, and we will, uh, but what what uh, 
uh, is mo- most important is not what I tell them, but what I show them by living out my faith day by month, by year, by decade. Mm. I love that. Pastor Greg is our guest on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I had this opportunity, and I'll show you after our conversation here. I was in the kitchen, and I hear this faint singing in the living room. And it's my daughter singing, and I, I catch her on the first verse of Joy to the World. She's four. And she's sitting there putting together some sort of clothes on her doll or whatever. Then she goes into the second verse. And then she goes into the third verse. And I thought, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. This is the most beautiful thing I have ever heard in my life. And if I could only hear one song for the rest of my life, this is the one that I want to hear. Because she's singing about God. She's singing about his righteousness and all the words and all of those things. It's because we sing songs to her, Christian songs to her. And as she goes to bed at night, um, we, we get to read three books. But it's it's really kind of narrowed down to one book. She gets to pick one book every night. The The second book that we read is called A Five-Minute uh, Bedtime Story, and it's a, a story that then afterwards we read a little bit of the Bible and we say a prayer and we talk about, you know, what does the word um, forgive mean or what does the word care mean? And then after that we read two stories in the Jesus Storybook Bible because she has this voracious appetite for God's Word. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I sit there in awe and wonder, and I go, God, this is this is awesome. It's because we're reading the Bible in the house, right? We're praying with her. We're talking to her about those things. And and as a parent, that's probably one of my, my biggest concerns and maybe my biggest responsibility is that that I show her Jesus' love, that she gets to experience Jesus' love so that she can have a relationship with Jesus. And that's what you're saying right now, right? Yeah. The discipling is is how we act, how we worship, how we um, you know, read the Bible, and we do all of those things together as a family. That's so much more important than what she's going to get anything outside of the house. Yeah, and, and I will just say, first of all, Ben, that the, the biggest reason that she uh, has a voracious appetite for that, beyond the Spirit of God working, right? right? Yeah. But it's because you guys have a voracious appetite. Right. You're giving her a context where there's joy and love and and uh, warmth in this activity of coming together at the end of the day, the routine of that, um, knowing that you're loved by God and that you get to uh, be redeemed and restored by Jesus and all that means— but it's a family activity. I can let you know, and and you probably know this, and I'm sure your listeners will will not be surprised that that there are many people that were, have uh, grown up and are absolutely turned off by faith because they didn't have that kind of experience. Their experience, though very religious, though very uh, uh, rule oriented in terms of accuracy and 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 uh, obedience, but it was without love. There was, uh, they, they did not experience love. They experienced duty. They experienced mm. obligation. They experienced judgment and, or harshness. Uh, and, and therefore, now that they have grown up, they are repelling uh, that. And they're repelling not even the faith so much as the experience of what that faith was packaged in. And so that's where I say, gosh, you know, it's so much simpler and more fun than we think. Um, if you love Jesus and, uh, and, and trust him and are following him and you bring the child along, yes, read those stories, but then tell your stories of what it's like to follow Jesus for better and for worse, because they, they are, uh, they want to bind with us. They're wired to bind with us. I tell people, remember that, uh, the, the, you, 
you know, when 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 the doctor or the or the midwife places the child in your hands from the beginning, you are their hero. Right. Mm. They want what you have to offer. They want to know how to learn life. Well, they want to be able to be close to you. They want to imitate you and 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 uh, become a version of you. And uh, and all we got to do is is not screw that up. Right. <laughs> is love them and laugh with them. Right. And. Tell them the stories about Jesus and tell them the stories about following Jesus as a day-by-day activity. And they will grow up with this sense of, of it being not just a story, not just a rule, but a life that is lived with somebody named Jesus. And that um, my my dad, my mom, my grandpa, my grandma um, is uh, knows and loves them, and I know and love him too. And now all of a sudden it's a, a relationship, and that's... That's the key. Uh, and again, if we uh, in America, we tend to think of and this is kind of Western Christianity anyway, we kind of think of discipleship as scholarship, mastering right answers. And yet Jesus in the gospel shows us that while discipleship is catalyzed by his spoken word, his teaching scholarship, if you will, um, it's really about framing and describing a lifestyle of love. And that's why he tells the disciples, come follow me. I know you don't actually know what I'm talking about. Let me show you what this all looks like, living in the kingdom for the good of others. And uh, and so for us, too, uh, uh, being able to uh, partner with our church, partner with our uh, uh, children, uh, youth, family ministries, absolutely for the you know they are they are very well educated and they have been given a place of responsibility to be able to teach us the faith but our children know, need to have us show them what the faith looks like and so i tell um parents all the time what you need to teach them is not what terrifies you i'm afraid i'll get all the facts and figures of the faith messed up somehow but what they need from you your 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 teachers your preachers will teach them the facts and figures of the faith and you can affirm it you can read the stories too but it, what what the what they the what what can't be delegated to the preachers and teachers is what does this life of faith look like and the specific thing you can teach them with your words is the story of why you love trust and follow Jesus hmm. and if our little children know why we are doing this and then we live humbly because we'll mess up, right? So then we talk about messing up. We talk about, I need your forgiveness. I need the Father's forgiveness too. And we take that. We learn from it. We move forward with it. Oh, my goodness. That's such a rich, fulfilling life that children uh, thrive in. And they're sponges. They are. They're they're designed to be sponges. And they're looking to mom. They're looking to dad. They're looking to grandma and grandpa. They're looking everywhere. But particularly, you know, aunt and uncle, grand, you know, godparent, um, they're looking for love right? Mm -hmm. They're looking for love and they're looking for how you respond to things. I feel like those two things more than anything else. We're talking to Pastor Greg Finke. He's written this book and I'm super excited about it. Joining Jesus as a family, how to raise your kids to be followers of Jesus. So many conversations that we've had on Afternoons with Bill Arnold over these last couple of weeks as we see the data about the next generation and it's causing people to to worry. And, And what can you do? Well, it starts with you and your family. So we'll talk to Pastor Greg uh, coming up here in just a second. I want to leave you with this quote as as we come back. It's that the balancing act that we as parents attempt is convincing our kids, one, you are loved more than you can ever imagine, and two, the world does not revolve around you. How do you walk that fine line? 
next on Faith Radio. Oh, life can be filled with distractions. I saw a survey that said the average person will look at their phone 320 times a day. This Lent, let's take a moment to step away from all the distractions and let's read the Bible together. You can start this wonderful program called Reading the Bible Together with Us, and you can learn how to better connect with God through His Word and through studying ancient disciplines practiced by Jesus Himself. You can sign up for this free study now at MyFaithRadio.com. Let's spend this season of Lent focusing on our Savior, on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and what fuels our minds and our hearts to be more devoted followers of Jesus. Again, sign up for the free study now at MyFaithRadio.com. The Tricky Balance of Raising Kids to be Humble. Hi, I'm Ben. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio, and my guest is Pastor Greg Finke. He's from Dwelling114.org. He's written this book, too, which is really great, Joining Jesus as a Family, How to Raise Your Kids to be Followers of Jesus, which is on all of our hearts here. And Pastor Greg, right before we took the break, I, I read this quote from, from John Eldridge. So the balancing act that we as parents attempt is convincing our kids, one, that you are loved more than you can even imagine, and two, that the world doesn't revolve around you. That's what we're dealing with, uh, with, with children and, and something that I've had conversations with multiple times in the, these last couple of weeks with my four-year-old. She is loved by her mom and I like crazy. She has grandparents, aunts and uncles and cousins, godparents, stuff like that. But more importantly, she's made in God's image. And she is loved by God more than she can ever imagine. And Jesus, we talk a lot about Jesus. He loves you. You, you can't even fathom it. And she talks about going up to heaven and back around and around Jupiter and then, you know, back and forth. And she has these big explanations. But then also how to live humbly too. how to pass that humility on to the next generation. How do you do that? Well, uh, again, it it uh, it starts with us, actually. So I uh, I can't expect my child to learn to do something if they don't have someone modeling that for them. They're observing and absorbing us. I can tell them all the words I want to tell them, but what I'm showing them is what's going to form them. And so, if I want my uh, child to to grow up believing they are dearly beloved children of God and that they are dearly beloved. Uh, of us, but then also realizing that the world doesn't revolve around them, I'm going to need to show them that. I'm going to need to live that life. That's the only way that it's going to make concrete sense to a child that the only way they can understand things is concretely. Hmm. And um, and that means that I need to live humbly. So I live humbly in a variety of ways, how I treat, uh, how I live under the, 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 the love and lordship of, of God, um, how I not just talk about that on Sunday or in a, in a class, but how do I live that out each day? What am I showing my child? Uh, living humbly uh, looks like how I treat uh, the child's mother. And uh, do I treat them uh, in a way that is uh, a servant leader? Hmm. Um, living humbly in how I um, uh, address other people. You know, do I come at them as someone that is arrogant and uncaring, 
or do I treat the server and and the, uh, the 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 person checking me out at the store? You know, the people that I meet along the way uh, with a sense of 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 love and and servanthood. Uh, and then, last but not least, I show uh, hum- humility by how I act when I have done wrong. Um, in other words, am I able to take a deep breath, you know, swallow my pride, and say, "I'm sorry, I was wrong." Can you please forgive me? That's one of the most powerful things that I have ever experienced in my life with my daughter is to say that, to admit that I am wrong, to ask her forgiveness, and then to watch her mind and her eyes open, but then her mind work like, wow, yeah, deeper relationship of trust there. Yeah. A lot of times I think we're afraid that if we admit that, we'll lose respect in their, in the kid's eyes. And the, and the reality is we don't lose respect, that we actually gain respect when we have that experience of, of showing them uh, humility and, um, and, and apologizing and asking for forgiveness. It's interesting. Your daughter is four years old. In the book, I, I tell a story that is exactly the same. My daughter was four years old at the time. She's now in her mid-30s. But at the time, she was four years old and how I just really blew it. Mm. And, and, um, and, and I you know, I was full of myself and, <laughs> and not, not about to, my wife even said, you blew it. You need to go apologize to your daughter. I'm like, she's four years old. I'm a, I'm daddy. And then uh, that, as soon as I got out of my mouth, I'm like, what an idiot. And <laughs> sure enough, I, with my tail between my legs, I went up to her room, apologized to her. And that's when I discovered what you yeah. discovered, that that was uh, so healing and mm. so good and so important yeah. for her to see that so that she could then observe and absorb that and uh, learn how to do that herself. Well, Pastor Greg Finke, joining Jesus as a family, how to raise your kids to be followers of Jesus. I'm I'm seeing this here, and I'm going to ask this question because I think about this all the time. Parenting with the end in mind. I think about this all the time. What is her life going to be like after I'm gone? Yeah. Tell me more about that. Well, I think, you know, what we tend to think in, again, this is a, a Western mindset, is in terms of occupation, right, sure. educational level, um, station in life, all those kinds of things. And that's, those are all important, but those are really secondary to the more important things of, you know, as a human being, who do we want them to be and what do we want them to be able to do? Mm. And uh, and so we don't have to go looking too far for that. We We go to the Gospels. We look to what Jesus is showing us, modeling us, uh, to us, and mentoring us to be. And if we kind of want to sum up, we just sum up the way that Jesus did. I want my daughter, I want my son to to grow up to be a follower of Jesus, living a life of love on purpose for the good of others. If you want to just sum it up, that sums it up very well, that, that I'm following the ways of Jesus, which is really the lifestyle and example of Jesus, I'm believing what he tells me. I'm I'm putting those things into practice. But that all looks like living a life of love for the good of others. And if I'm raising up a human being that that's their core, then whatever they apply themselves to, whatever vocation they have, whatever mm-hmm. calling they have, then they're going to be so much better. They're going to be a so much better spouse or doctor or teacher or mechanic or line worker uh, they're going to be a great human being because of that's, you know, that clarity and intentionality of how we were living uh, or seeking to live day by day accumulates over time until now they're 18 and going off, whether to college or to their, you know, to their trade. And um, and that and that's the human being that they have become. They're 
they're different than us. They're unique. They got their God wired them and 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 knitted them together in their mother's womb in a in a unique way. But and yet uh, our f- fingerprints and our DNA and and our example has deeply formed them so that they now go off and hopefully stand on our shoulders and and do even more than we were able to do. Right, yeah. I think every morning we pray, you know, um, that God helps her to be smarter and stronger and kinder so that she can grow up to do great things in his name. And oftentimes, uh, well, not oftentimes, sometimes I wonder, though, if I'm praying too big of a prayer. Well, I think we got to be careful of what we think are great things because what God says is great. Uh, often looks like a, a a seed, a pinch of yeast, right. a cool cup of water, yeah. and so if if we can raise up children that have a great sense of of clarity about what their purpose is, that they're loved, freely receive, but for what purpose? To freely give, they will do great things. They will be Matthew twenty five kinds of folks. Mm. Not that they accomplish one big thing for God. Sure but that they have done lots of little things and responded to those things that God has placed in their path and so that at the end of their days they're hearing him say, you know what, you nailed it, well done, uh, good and faithful servant, mm-hmm. not because you did one big thing, but because I set up those Ephesians 2.10, those little, those little works of good that needed to be done in people's lives. You saw them, you responded to them, and uh, and and look what I have now done. And then... That's all God. Right. That's all God. Yeah, I, I don't want to discount anybody because <clears throat> we're having conversations about parents, being parents to kids, right? But this this role also, um, you can play this role if you're a grandparent, if oh, you're yeah. an aunt and uncle, if you're a cousin, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach. Really, it just it is that constant love and just being there. We had a conversation this morning uh, with our Faith Radio team about who taught you how to pray mm-hmm. or who modeled prayer for you? And the stories that were coming out were people in different parts of life that really had a, a really uh, important role in the lives of our coworkers and friends here at Faith Radio. But it, it takes showing up with that humility and with a heart full of love, showing them Jesus, right? Yeah, in the book we talk about it takes a village. And so while the way God designed uh, little human beings to be brought into the world and raised up starts with mom and dad— uh, we also know from uh, experience as well as now study after study shows that children, especially as they start to hit that developmental age of around, you know, uh, middle school or so, they start looking for around is for verification, for uh, reinforcement, for uh, are, is, are other people living this way? Do other people believe this stuff? And, and what they have found is that uh, even the number of non-parenting uh, mentoring adults um, say about five is is ideal, that if you can intentionally have your kid have about five people that are speaking into their lives as well, being examples to them, uh, that that they're the likelihood of them being healthy, not just spiritually, but physically and 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 uh, mentally and emotionally goes way up. Mm. And uh, so what you are saying is absolutely on 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 the on the on the money. The uh, and so what we say in the book is hey, get intentional about who do you want to be in your village. Right? It it it'll be some extended family, certainly grandpa and grandma, you might want to have, you know, some people that are your church professionals sure, but who are some folks that are outside of that ring that can have influence and mm. uh and you know, I I remember 
uh, and maybe everybody else can too. There was a certain time in my life when uh, everything my mom and dad said I I knew was correct and I believed it. But <laughs> if 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 Mister Garmin or uh, uh, anyway, I don't have to name names, but if that, anybody else said it, it was like, oh boy, now I really believe it, you know. <laughs> and it, it it was I'm sure irritating to my parents, uh, but if if we can get past the irritation and say, no, I'm going to strategize and then do that intentionally. Right. Now, all of a sudden, we have the reinforcements, the, uh, the uh, people doing it in different ways. So, you know, no doubt all the people that had praying parents saw their parents pray, had them pray with them at, at their bedtime. And yet when they got to a certain age, somebody else praying mm. that that kind of, if you will, just kind of locked in uh, uh, maybe a different expression of prayer that was very fulfilling. And the same is true of so many other practices that we enjoy as God's people. Well, so if you're listening to this right now, too, it's also a clear calling, I would say, to get into a child's life as mm-hmm. well um, and and just share with them. Yeah. Love them. Be with them. Look them in the eye. Uh, find out their name. Ask yeah. them. Ask them. Be present. Stories. Uh you know, Get down on the knee and eye to eye, right? And just really make a difference. Yeah. This is your opportunity to pass it on to the next generation, your faith, your heart, why you love Jesus. And it all starts with just getting down on one knee, yeah. eye to eye, asking the name, high five, and starting a relationship. Yep. Don't be weird. Don't, be, over, don't be overwhelming, <laughs> right. right? But little by little, just right. like any other relationship, yeah. you know, make sure your mom and dad know what's going on if you're, you know, are, are newer, but... Uh, I, I tell this, I, I work with churches that are little churches and big churches, and, and it's the same everywhere. Um, you don't have kids in your home anymore. Maybe you never had kids in the first place, but you can notice and pay attention to and get to know the children that are regularly around you, and it will make a huge hmm. uh, uh, contribution to yeah. what the parents are already doing. This is your opportunity right now. It's amazing. Greg Finke has been our guest. Afternoons with Bill Arnold. This book, Joining Jesus as a Family, How to Raise Your Children to be Followers of Jesus. And you can find more from Pastor Greg at dwelling114.org. Pastor Greg, thank you very much. My pleasure. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. Prayer is powerful. Miracles are real. Do you believe that? This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. I'm Ben, and I'm here with Pastor Andrew Carter, who's written this book called The Privilege of Prayer, to find healing and transformation and answers. Now, oftentimes here at Faith Radio, I say what I just said. Prayer is powerful. Miracles are real. And that prayer might be one of the most underutilized gifts God has given us. So we're going to spend the next 25 minutes talking about the privilege of prayer, one of God's greatest gifts to us, and how we can not underutilize that gift, but go right to him with the power of prayer. So, Pastor Carter, thank you for for coming on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So this new book that I have right in my hands, you talk about uh, the fact that you feel that we've lost vision, biblical vision about what prayer really is. What are we missing? Oh man, I think that a lot of people look at prayer as an obligation or something that they have to do uh, when in fact prayer is something that we get to do. 
it's a privilege to talk to the creator of the universe. And so I think that we're missing the fact that it's another thing on our checklist to do. That's what we're looking at it as, but really overlooking the the opportunity that we have to be in full-blown communion with the creator of the world. Mm. So Pastor Carter, I'm just going to ask you some questions that I m- know the answer to, but I feel like I should be asking these questions. So when it comes to prayer and you talk about maybe the roteness of prayer, how do we break free from that and have that deep relationship with God as we stand before him and we make a request, we praise him, we thank him? Um, how do we have that posture? Uh, first off, humility. Uh, I believe that we've got to come to God with a, a humble heart, just knowing that uh, he loved us before we were ever born. He loved us and put us together in our mother's womb. And the fact that he would give his son on our behalf, he would go to such lengths to restore that relationship with us. It should be a humbling uh, a humbling realization. And so that's where I like to start is humbly on my knees, uh, understanding that, you know, the fact that I get to talk with with God on a regular basis throughout the day without ceasing um, is one of the biggest and greatest blessings that we could possibly have. We are so grateful for a God that has such amazing mercy to allow us to ask him and talk to him in the first place. Right, Pastor? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I just am in awe and wonder that I get to uh, speak to the the king of the universe anytime yeah. I want to, anywhere I want to, about anything I want to. And and you talk about, about these crisis prayers, because oftentimes um, when people um, are just asking and praying for what they want, you call those crisis prayers. Maybe you can explain how these kinds of prayers really undercut the true power of prayer. Yeah, and I don't want to diminish anybody, uh, you know, their prayer life by, by, you know, saying that when they ask for things or they're reaching out in the the middle of a crisis that it's bad because we ought to take um, our our prayers to God in the middle of the storms and the calamity and chaos that we face in life. But uh, when that's the only time that we're praying, you know, we're really missing this chance to be in communion with God. And so I like to pray and thank God in the good times and the bad, uh, when the ups, the downs, the peaks, the valleys, the highs and lows. Uh, I seek to be in his presence more than just having his presence, like the blessing uh, that he provides. I want to be with him, just like David talked about in the Psalms. He desired God's presence and just to be with him more than anything that that God could do for him. So, Pastor, um, how do you get uh, prayer off an obligation, um, one of those lists, another list of to-do things or things we have to do with the kids before they go to bed or we have to eat uh, before we eat to uh, change it to being one of those things where you pray without ceasing and you have that experience with God that you're talking about? I think it just comes from an understanding the word. Uh, I think that Bible illiteracy is at an all-time high. And so people not knowing what the scripture says or what it says about God or who we are in God uh, really it starts there. So I, I think that when people understand the love and the mercy and grace that God has for us, we stop looking at him as this taskmaster uh, who's standing over us with his arms folded, waiting for us to mess up. And we truly see him as a loving father who really just desires our attention. What would you say to a friend of mine who I just had a phone conversation with just last week here at the office? And we had a call about the fact that he didn't feel like he could love God because he doesn't know how God could love him because he is a, well, he's made mistakes and haven't we all he's, 
He he didn't go into his past, but he but he talked about that. And so so we prayed, but he said, I, I have this prayer block. I just don't feel like I can pray. What would you say to him? I would encourage him to read the Psalms. You know, we we look at the Psalms uh, and God called David a man after his own heart. And when we do our research and look at David, a man considered to be a man after God's own heart, we see that he wrestled with adultery, uh, with murder. He wasn't the greatest of fathers. He had his kids trying to kill him in some instances. Um, We see a very flawed man who I think a lot of us can relate to, whether it's in our thoughts or our own personal actions. But uh, the fact that David, even in the midst of his hurt and pain and his uh, humanity, continuously reached out to God, it serves as inspiration as a, and as a reminder that God wants us as we are. Uh, the beautiful thing is that we won't stay the same uh, when we sit with him. Pastor Andrew F. Carter is the founder and lead pastor of Royal City Church, and he's written this book. It's called The Privilege of Prayer, Find Healing, Transformation, and Answers. And Andrew, as we're having conversations about prayer, it's it's just it's it's so amazing as people are listening right now in their cars. And I know that there are people that are desperate, that they're desperate to connect with God in ways that they never even thought were possible. Maybe they feel far or they feel distant from God. What's your encouragement for them? Oh, I'd let them know that I've been there. Um, I've felt far and distant and uh, I felt like I've made so many mistakes that God couldn't possibly love me. Uh, but again, the scripture reminds us uh, over and over that God is near and that his love knows no boundaries and that it's unconditional. Um, I'm reminded also that it says, if you ask, you will receive. If you knock, he will answer. And, uh, you know, he, he wants and desires a relationship with you. Don't allow your shortcomings or your despair to keep you from walking in the fullness of what it means to live a life with God. Mm, and then to engage in open and honest and transparent conversation with God, right? I mean, there isn't anything already that he doesn't know anyway. So why That's not right. tell him? And why not bury your soul and bury your heart and have this, this never-ceasing prayer life and find joy in him? That's so good. Okay. What about experiencing emotional healing? Because a lot of people, and we've had conversations here at the office about whether people have gone through church hurt, or we've been talking uh, with somebody lately who doesn't feel like life is worth living anymore. How can you find God's comfort in prayer? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm somebody who experienced some church hurt, and uh, I just realized that regardless of what people might have done, that wasn't a representation of who God is. Um, God is good and he's faithful. And regardless of what we're experiencing or or navigating, uh, I've learned that our circumstances don't change the nature and character of who God is. And so to continue to press in, I've had to overcome some emotional hurts and pains from childhood trauma, from issues, uh, being in foster care, being abandoned as a child. Um, But none of those things that I've gone through are representations of who God is. And so I have to get to a place where I don't allow my feelings and emotions to dictate my actions or my understanding of who the creator of all things are. Um, good, good people still suffer from bad things and bad experiences that that's a part of life. And so, uh, I just keep coming back to the truth of who God is and not allowing my circumstances to, to change that. Mm. I love what you say in the book. It's, it's because we've lost the biblical vision of what prayer really is. Prayer yeah. 
And life with Jesus is an exciting, risky, faith-filled journey that pushes the limitations of our imaginations. I talk about this all the time here on Faith Radio. And all that made possible through uh, an unrivaled intimacy with the creator of the universe. But if you're ready for an adventure of a lifetime, give yourself over to God. And it starts with just praying, God, here I am. I'm right here. You created me. I'm in your image. There's nothing I want to do without you. I pray this every morning. Please speak my words, think my thoughts, guide my actions, write my emails, make my decisions, have my conversations. I want people to have to squint when they see me because they see you. And those are all things that you can say to God in prayer. And he'll answer your prayer. Right, Pastor? If I wasn't a prayer guy, just hearing you talk, I'd start to pray. I'm telling you what. I mean, you got me fired up over here. I'm ready to write another book. (laughs) Well, I think it's time for a break. Pastor Andrew Carter is our guest today. Thank you so much. He is the founder and lead pastor of Royal City Church. This book is really good. We're talking about the privilege of prayer to find healing and transformation and answers. If you have questions, text them over 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. 933-2484. More with Pastor Andrew Carter next on Faith Radio. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey! Faith Radio is celebrating 75 years of bringing faith to life. That's right. We are 75 this year. So to celebrate, we are giving away 75 Faith Radio birthday boxes packed with all kinds of fun things to help you grow in your walk of faith. And yes, celebrate with us. So we're going to be celebrating the birth and growth and future of Faith Radio all year long. And you are an integral part of the Faith Radio family. And so we want to send you a gift. How fun is that? This is our birthday song. It isn't very long. So to enter to win a Faith Radio birthday box today, come to MyFaithRadio.com. Prayer is powerful. Miracles are real. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. And Andrew Carter, Pastor Andrew Carter, is our guest today. He's written this book called The Privilege of Prayer. And Pastor, I am, I was just scrolling through the book here later on this afternoon, and I got to this, this chapter called The Blessing of a Closed Door. And I never understood that for the longest time because I wanted God to answer my prayer the way that I wanted him to answer my prayer. But years later, I realized that in unanswered prayer, the prayer wasn't answered the way that I didn't want it was actually a huge blessing. Can you help and share with our audience what the blessing of the closed door is? Absolutely. You know, I've learned in my life and experience that if it's not going my way, it's going God's way. Mm. And that's the only way that I want things to go. I've learned that through prayer, um, I can start to discern and have a better understanding of what God's doing. Um, An unanswered prayer typically means that, that God is protecting you, he's redirecting you, or he's keeping you from settling for less than what you deserve. And it doesn't always feel like that, but I've learned that 
I can look back in retrospect and see where my expectations weren't met or things didn't work out my way. God had his hand and his goodness written all over it. So I've come to learn that father truly knows best. And whether it makes sense to me, I realize that in the game of life, I'm playing checkers and the the Lord is playing chess. He's on a whole nother level and he knows all of the, the steps ahead. And so um, a closed door, what I've learned is never a bad thing. It's always a good thing. There are so many people listening to faith radio right now and do, that do every single day that are on all levels, all spectrums of faith uh, in Jesus, whether they're interested, maybe. In fact, we had somebody that was listening that would email all the time that was Muslim to uh, pastors and and learned uh, theologians. I want to ask you this question, and some some questions that kind of go all over and whatnot, but what are the three most important things to pray for? I would say uh, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding or discernment. They're kind of up there. I talk about that in the book, but um, I believe knowledge, wisdom, and understanding because Many times we are praying for God to change our situation, but I believe that many times God is trying to change us. Mm. And so we'll pray for financial situations or miracles or blessings. And I believe God is the same God who can still perform miracles, but I believe that our prayer should be, God, give me the wisdom to make better decisions to change my financial Mm. situation. Because if we're asking for $1,000, but we can't even steward well the hundred that (laughs) we have, uh, what makes us think that God is going to bless that? Uh, Rather, I believe that he'll give us the wisdom to stop buying so many streaming services, uh, maybe stop eating out so many times. Now, the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding helps open our eyes to some of the things that we might be in control of. Mm. One of my favorite prayers is, God, what are you teaching me, and what do you want me to do? That's good. Through the hardship. And then to be able to listen, which is another chapter in your book. How do you know when God is answering your prayers? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. It's uh, It comes with confirmation. Um, <laughs> the Lord answers in ways that we usually can't even comprehend. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for something, and it happened, but it didn't happen the way that I expected it came out of left field. And uh, I just realized that we're so short-sighted and narrow-minded when it comes to the way that we handle things. Uh, But God's not limited by our box or our personal limitations. And so my prayer is oftentimes, Lord, help me to see through your lens and not the lens of my limitation. Help me to see the way that you're working and doing things because they're outside of the scope of my understanding. And so I can tell when God's answering or moving, uh, when it's happening or unfolding right before my eyes, uh, or if it's being confirmed by the scripture. Yeah, we're talking here with Pastor Andrew Carter. He's written this book, The Privilege of Prayer. And Pastor Carter, I just want to ask going off of that, because I'm sure there are many people, and I can say this for myself as well, and I know everybody's journey is different, but when you first start in that relationship with Christ and you're praying to him and you're maybe not hearing him, you can have doubts about it, I think. So what do you say to people who are having those doubts? Did you experience that at all when you started down this path, and how did you kind of overcome that and fully start to immerse yourself in prayer with God, and when did he start speaking to you? Yeah, I early on uh, thought that God was going to be like a genie 
You know, I thought that my hmm. prayers, because I would read scripture and, and I was taking this Jesus path because I wanted him to bless me and to do the things that I saw fit. And so I came into my relationship with the Lord with this genie mentality. And if I asked and then I didn't receive, then I would fall back into this mindset of, well, God doesn't care. He doesn't love me. He doesn't hear me. He's not answering me. But over time, as I matured in my relationship and understanding, I realized that God answers every prayer. Many times the answer is just no, and I don't like it. And so I had to get to this understanding uh, of who God is, and he's a loving father. And I personally, I have four kids, and uh, I realize that when my kids ask me for things, the answer isn't always yes. And that's because I love them. I care about them. And I probably, for the most part, know what's best. So if my kid asks me for an ice cream cone at midnight, I'm not telling them no because I don't love him. I'm telling them no because I understand what would happen if I gave him ice cream at midnight. And so in the same way, I realize that God answers our prayers. Sometimes it's no or not yet uh, because he understands and knows what's best for us. Sometimes some people say, and I've been there before, where you have what's called prayer block. Have you ever heard that before, Pastor? Absolutely. So you got the prayer block, and you you know in God's word that that the Holy Spirit will even groan for you, right? And so what are some of the common things that you've seen hinder people's prayer lives, and what advice would you have for helping us overcome those? Absolutely, yeah. Some things uh, that people will be wrestling with that hinders their prayer life could be sin. Um, they could be living in sin, secret sin. And it's not always... Uh, uh, overt or or huge it could be jealousy or comparison or ungratefulness or unbelief there could be something that's going on in their personal life that they need to check and so i think repentance and confession are great tools that will start to help unblock your prayer life or uh, maybe open that up i believe fasting is another thing that you can do in order to jump start uh, your prayer life but um, I always go back to like reflecting on how am I living and what is the posture or position of my heart uh, as I'm praying or I feel like my prayer is blocked. Is it blocked because God's trying to get a hold of me and show something, show me something about the posture or position of where I'm at? Mm. One of my favorite prayers of all time is maybe the most simple prayer I've ever prayed. And it's these three words, help me, Jesus. And sometimes I've found myself in places where um, that's all I can find to say because I feel so exhausted or beat down or <clears throat> lonely. And sometimes I need to say that prayer every second of every minute for the next hour to get through. And every single time, there he is. He comes through. Every single time. Maybe not in the way that I need or want, or definitely in the way that, the way that I need, not, not necessarily always in the way that I want, but he's always there. And so if you're listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold in this conversation with Pastor Andrew Carter today about the privilege of prayer, maybe you don't know how to pray, or maybe you're struggling with how to pray in front of other people or whatever it is, I just ask you to pray those three words, help me, Jesus. What would you say, Pastor, to people that are struggling to pray right now? What, what, what do you say to them as they struggle? I would, have them, I would just tell them that uh, prayer is, is communication. It's as simple as talking to me or you. And 
um, that there's no special thing that they have to do. They don't have to close their eyes or fold their hands. They don't have to get on their knees. And I'm not in opposition of any of those things, but many times I have some of the most candid and, and honest, open, transparent, and vulnerable conversations with God as I'm driving mm. or as I'm walking. And I would just want them to know that God can handle your honesty. Uh, he can handle uh, the truth about how you're feeling. You're not going to offend him. He's not going to get mad at you. Uh, in fact, that's what God desires is that realness. And again, uh, this will be the last time I say it, but I look to the Psalms and it's a, a journal and, and the songs that David would sing. And he's so real and honest and vulnerable. If he's not feeling it, he lets God know. And I would just encourage somebody who is down and out and feels that way to engage in that open, honest and transparent conversation with God. God can handle the, the deepest, darkest recesses of your heart and, and the thoughts that you might be ashamed to tell anybody else. God can handle it. Mm. And he wants you to do that. And when you do, he many times shows up in ways that you couldn't even fathom or reveals to you ways to handle how you mm. feel. Yeah, because we're all living in this world. We all see the same news. We all have very similar conversations. Uh, we all read and and you know do a lot of the same stuff that is that is causing depression or the loneliness epidemic. Where seventy seven percent of the country says they feel like they're lonely. Uh, we're all going through some some very similar things. And in the Bible says, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. And it's a constant conversation that you just have ongoing in your head with, again, the king of the universe, the God that created you and created all of this. He wants to hear from you. He's waiting to hear from you. So, again, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good. The That's privilege so good. of prayer. I'm so grateful for this book, and thank you for your time, Pastor Andrew Carter. Find healing, transformation, and answers. Uh, you're welcome back here anytime on Faith Radio. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, friend, if you are struggling with that loneliness like we were just talking about, 77% of Americans say that they are. Now just go ahead and text the word lonely right now to 877-933-2484. And Carmen LaBurge from Mornings with Carmen will text you every couple of days just to check in. She'll pray with you. She'll comfort you. She'll encourage you. This is something you don't have to keep to yourself either. You can share this with anyone you know that that is feeling lonely. Somebody in your church, maybe your child, your grandchild, friends, family. You don't have to be a, a specific listener to Faith Radio to feel the comfort and encouragement of God. One of my favorite promises from the Bible is that he says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Again, here's the word. It's lonely. L-O-N-E-L-Y. The phone number is 877-933-2484. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio.
Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.